Isaiah Prince is the Falcons' new swing tackle. And yes, Parker Hesse has returned. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm your humble host, Aaron Freeman. Of course, you've seen my coverage of the Atlanta Falcons for many years, dating back decades uh, over formerly at Falcons.com, RIP. But uh, you may also know me as my aliases here on this humble podcast. Those, of course, are Sirius Black. Also, Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew. But you can become one of my friends and call me Negative Nancy by becoming an everydayer. And all you got to do is make this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day. And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today we are celebrating the triumphant return of Parker Hesse, but that will be a little bit later in the show. We'll talk about the 14 players that the Falcons signed to their practice squad today that included Parker Hesse. Uh, We'll get to those later, but we'll start things off talking about the Falcons new swing tackle, right? The Falcons did wave Josh Miles, the sort of incumbent, I guess you could say, uh, the default uh, swing tackle this morning. Uh, and we're assuming that he'll be resigned to the practice squad, but we'll just sort of have to see about that. And to make room, or they cut Josh Miles to make room for the new swing tackle, who is ex-Broncos, ex-Bengals, ex-Dolphins, offensive tackle Isaiah Prince. Right? The Falcons didn't put in any other waiver claims to pick up anybody else. So, you know, we'll see what other moves are made over the next 10 days. But so far, this seems to be the only one. And if you don't know who Isaiah Prince is, it's understandable. He was a six-round pick of the Dolphins back in 2019, formerly of Ohio State. He did log two starts that year uh, in their sort of tank for Tua season where they had an atrocious offensive line. Uh, He wound up getting cut later that season, got scooped up by the Bengals, uh, opted out of 2020 due to COVID, came back with the Bengals as a backup right tackle for them in 2021. He did wind up starting games at right tackle for them down the stretch during their Super Bowl playoff run. Uh, According to Pro Football Focus, in the eight games that he started, he gave up four sacks and 31 pressures. If you extrapolate that over a full 17-game season, that would be eight and a half sacks and 66 pressures. And just for the sake of comparison, Dennis Daly gave up the most pressures for tackles last year in the regular season with 52. So 66 compared to 52. So uh, clearly he was not getting the job done in pass protection among offensive tackles in 2021. PFF graded him in the sixth percentile as a pass blocker. But on the flip side, he did grade out in the 55th percentile as a run blocker. So he's slightly above average run blocker, frankly, a terrible pass blocker based off of those PFF grades. Uh, Then after a rough 2021 season, he was put on IR at the beginning of the 2022 season with an elbow injury uh, and then finished the year on the Bengals practice squad. Then the Broncos scooped him up this past offseason, and they, of course, cut him this past Sunday uh, where the Falcons were able to uh, pick him up uh, today on Wednesday. Uh, 
Now, if you look at the PFF grades that he had this summer uh, with the Broncos, they they were pretty solid, right? But we also know that PFF graded Jalen Mayfield very highly after his Dolphins game, and we know we can't always trust them when it comes to those grades. So I sat down and watched every snap uh, of Isaiah Prince on all 22 from this preseason. And I'll just tell you up front, I was not impressed, right? Uh, I'm not sure he's an upgrade over what Josh Miles is based off of what Josh Miles did on film this summer. But what I will say about Isaiah Prince is that he looks apart at 6'7", 305 with 35 plus inch arms. You know, if you were to build a left tackle in a lab, he'd come out looking a lot like Isaiah Prince. He's definitely somebody that you go, ooh, when, when he gets off the bus, you're like, oh, who's that guy? I don't want to play against him. Right. He tested very well, a uh, 7.6 RAS score, relative athletic score uh, with a very good broad jump, a good 40 time. His agilities weren't quite up to par, but you see the tools, you see the movement, you see the athleticism. So he is an intriguing player with upside because of all those things, those physical abilities that he has. But the issue with Isaiah Prince, despite that physical ability, is the technique and the refinement is not there. Right. And he's now entering his fifth NFL season. And some of the things that you would hope to have been coached out of him have not been coached out of him. Um, and maybe that's due to not getting the development by sitting out that year due to COVID and then having another season scrapped, uh, mostly due to injury and whatnot. So the main issues obviously are in pass protection. Um, and the main issues from a technical standpoint that I saw in film repeatedly uh, this past summer in Denver was he punches with both hands. And that's not something that you can do in the NFL. That's something that rookies tend to do. Like Caleb McGarry did a lot in his rookie year, but then he fixed that. Right. Um, because what happens is when you punch with both hands, you want to punch with one hand and then use the second hand to basically, you know, once you redirect that defender to then grab that defender, you know, independent hands and all that stuff. It's basically, you know, that's sort of the technical aspects of it. But when you punch with both hands, if the defender chops both he swipes or chops that hand, you're done. Right. And because Isaiah Prince is so tall, he has a tendency to bend at the waist to try to get lower and, and try to present a lower, a smaller target for, you know, defenders to, you know, bull rush him and all, do all those things. But what he does as a waist bender rather than a knee bender, you want to be a knee bender, not a waist bender, because what, when you bend your waist, your center of gravity is thrown off. And so what happens when he does that double handed punch and the defender chops it, he gets overextended and he, you know, falls over and, and can't recover in that way. And I think even though he's graded out as a decent to good run blocker, Watching the film, I'm like, I don't think he's that good of a run blocker in part due to how tall he is, right? I think that limits how low he can get where, you know, run blocking and it's about leverage, right? And low man wins and he just struggles to get low enough to basically move defenders off the ball, right? But, you know, in theory, the idea with Isaiah Prince, because of that, the physical tools in the upside, you, you want to see what Dwayne Ledford can do with him. Can he coach him up, Right. And, you know, you hope that the coaching can fix a lot of these technical flaws that are still present in Isaiah uh, Prince's game. And, and you, the, the the theory that we're going to tell ourselves, whether this winds up proving true or not, r remains to be seen. But we're going to sit here and say, look, he was poorly coached in Miami. He was poorly coached in Cincinnati. And we, we will evidence that from the fact that they were bad offensive lines then. They're still bad offensive lines today. And so clearly they're not coaching up guys consistently in those two places. And so Atlanta is going to be really the first time he gets good coaching under Dwayne Ledford. But 
without exponential growth from a technical standpoint that he's going to come over the next few months that he's going to be here in Atlanta, right? I don't know if I feel any more comfortable with Isaiah Prince starting games in the event of an injury to Jake Matthews or Caleb McGarry than I would with Josh Miles at this point in time. So without that exponential growth from a technical standpoint, like to me, it's kind of a lateral move at least. Now, in theory, Prince has more upside and whatnot. But as we often say on this podcast, beggars can't be choosers. And so, you know, if I'm you and, you know, depending on what you believe in, who, what higher power you subscribe to, you know, when you're laying your head down at bed at night, when you're saying your prayers, right? I, I think you should also say a prayer for the soft tissues, the joints and the bones of Jake Matthews and Kayla McGarry, because we want to see those things, you know, 100% by, by your saying. That's basically what I would say. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how long Isaiah Prince stinks on the ro- sticks on the roster. You know, I'm not convinced that, you know, he's guaranteed to be here six weeks from now. Like this may be sort of a revolving door as the Falcons try to figure out their depth issues at that position, but we'll see. Uh, we know Terry likes to turn the back end of the roster, so that will be something to keep an eye on, but we'll see. We'll see. But it all ain't bad, guys. It's not all bad news today because Parker Hesse's back, right? He's one of 14 players that the Falcons signed to the practice squad today, and we'll break all of that down to continue today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, get ready for the NFL season with the incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5, and they'll get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. If you're on the fence, you know, about getting Sunday ticket, and I know for me, like, I've gone back and forth. I'm always looking for that discount to, to justify my, you know, purchase. I think FanDuel is giving you a great offer, so it's the best time to join FanDuel. And, of course, you know, not only are you getting that offer for Sunday Ticket, it's also the great place to go, you know, to bet the player props and the spreads and all that for the upcoming NFL season. They have an app that's safe. It's easy to use. And all you got to do to sign up is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can kick off the NFL season with an offer that you don't want to miss. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. So there are 14 players that the Falcons signed to their practice squad on Wednesday. They were running back Godwin Nkubuke, wide receiver Xavier Malone, wide receiver Matthew Sexton, tight end Parker Hesse, tight end Tucker Fisk, tackle Tyler Vrabel, tackle Barry Wesley, guard Justin Schaefer, defensive tackle Timmy Horn, defensive tackle LaCale London, edge rusher Kamoko Ture, linebacker Andre Smith, cornerback Natron Brooks, and safety Micah Abernathy. So four out of those five guys or four out of the five guys that I predicted to make the roster that didn't were re-signed to the practice squad. Those were Iguabuke, Parker Hesse, Timmy Horn, and Micah Abernathy. Darren Hall was the, the fifth guy that was not re-signed to the practice squad. We'll see what happens with him uh, moving forward, but maybe the Falcons have moved on from Darren Hall. Um, and so with 14 signed, there's 16 spots available in the practice squad. There's two spots open. One of those could go to Josh Miles. We'll see. Right. Last year, they initially signed 12 guys on day one of establishing the practice squad, then three guys the next day. And then they waited like the better part of a week uh, before they picked up that last guy, which was, I think, Kyrus Tonga, the nose tackle from the Bears uh, to complete their set. And I think he lasted maybe like a week or two before the the Vikings picked him up. But, um, you know, we'll talk about Parker Hesse coming up later to, to wrap up today's episode. But, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast all summer long, and making it your first listen each and every day or 
your fifth listen each and every day. It doesn't really matter when you listen to it. You know, we, we prefer first, first thing in the morning, but you know, do you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but like, I don't think you heard any of those names and you're surprised that those guys were on the practice squad. Most of those guys were on my final practice squad projection that we did, you know, starting out this week. The three that were not were Matthew Sexton, Barry Wesley and Justin Schaefer. I was very close to putting Sexton on my final uh, practice squad projection because uh, it was notable to me how many snaps he was getting on special teams, especially against the Steelers, returning kicks, working as a gunner, all that and more. That was kind of telling me something, but I, I thought at the end of the day, Penny Hart would get that third wide receiver spot along with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, but, you know, Hart's on IR. Ortega-Whiteside is, is, you know, we'll see what happens with him. But, um, you know, Wesley was another guy that I don't think was bad this summer, right? But he didn't necessarily stand out in a major way. He was just like consistently okay, right? And given how many offensive linemen this summer in the preseason were up and down, you know, that probably helped his case. It was like he was never really up. He was never really down. He was just fine, right? Uh, and, you know, Schaefer was one of those guys that was very up and down. And, I, you know, I think saying Schaefer was up at any point is being generous. But, you know, he's probably the one surprise in terms of the practice squad, but I think his draft status is what wound up saving him uh, at this point in time. Um, you know, I don't think he was particularly good. I, I would say him alongside Jonathan Harrison and Jalen Mayfield were probably the guys that had the the worst reps in the preseason games this summer. Um, you know, but again, draft status matters. And, you know, I, I did see, I, I did go back and watch some more film of Justin Schaefer uh, last night to just double check because, you know, I'll, I'll admit that, you know, once we got to like the fourth quarter of these preseason games, I was not as locked in watching the film as I was in, in the early parts of the games. So I was just like, okay, maybe I missed some stuff with Justin Schaefer. And like, you know, I saw some minor improvements in his game uh, from year one to year two, you know, he was so raw coming out of Georgia. Uh, but like, so like he, I guess you could say he's trending in the right direction, but like, I still feel like he has such a long way to go before he's a rosterable player that he's just going to sort of languish on the practice squad forever without big gains over the next year or so. So we'll see if he gets that development, if he makes that year three jump, right. Where, or he finds himself like some of these other guys that did not necessarily make big year two jumps like that 2021 draft class where we saw, you know, the Darren halls and the Jalen Mayfields, you know, get the boot, you know, going into uh year three. So we'll see what happens with Justin Schaefer in the future. But um, yeah, you know, he's probably the one guy that'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I think you're just keeping him just because you drafted him and you don't want to give up on your draft. Like maybe that's going to be a new rule with this regime where it's like they, they won't give up on a draft pick until the third year, right? Like that's, that may be the situation. So we'll see how that plays out for Justin Schaefer as well. We'll talk, of course, about the triumphant return of Parker Hesse to continue and wrap up today's episode. And I appreciate your patience for that. And we'll get into that to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So before we dive deep into the triumphant return of Parker Hesse, um, I want to give another shout out to my everydayers out there. Uh, we'll be starting up a new service pretty soon. We started a Discord last year. We'll be doing something else that will allow you to kind of one-on-one uh, communicate with me uh, in the future, this upcoming season. So I just wanted to let you guys know that, um, it will be a paid service, but, uh, that will be something that hopefully we'll be able to unroll next week, uh, ahead of week one. So if you want to sign up for that, but I'll, I'll give further details once I have more information on that, but that's something to look forward to. Of course, continue to make, uh, your 
illustrious podcast, your first listen each and every day. We appreciate you. Tomorrow, I think we'll do a Q&A. So if you have questions, you know, going after preseason, going into the season, that will be the opportunity to ask those questions. Of course, the places to send those questions, you know, in the future, we might use that service where you can just kind of text your questions to me. But um, for now, you can send them via email at LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. You can leave a comment here on the YouTube channel. You can hit the Discord up, the link in the description below. Or, of course, you could hit me up on Locked on Falcons on Twitter as well. Those are the places to go to submit your questions. But let's talk Parker Hesse. So, obviously, if you listen to yesterday's episode, I shared my concerns about in, in being skeptical of the decision to cut Parker Hesse, right? Um, and I've been listening to other people's thoughts on the, on the roster as well and the thoughts on cutting Parker Hesse because I think most people agree that that was the one surprise cut for the Falcons, you know, over the last 24 hours. And, you know, shout out to New Millennium Falcons. Uh, also listen to the Falcons Final Whistle podcast on the, the official site. And I thought Tori McElhaney said something interesting on that episode when they were breaking down the 53. And that she basically said that it was maybe tougher for John Fitzpatrick to clear waivers than Parker Hesse would, uh, given Fitzpatrick's, you know, youth and talent and upside and all that various things. You know, I don't necessarily agree but like at the same time like i don't think she's wrong for saying that like I, I think that's a very valid opinion so you know splitting hairs on that one we did see one blocking tight end get claimed off of waivers that was uh the packers picked up ben sims so maybe you know he was all, i think he was a rookie this year so maybe you know a team was looking for a young developmental talented blocking tight end like a john fitzpatrick so who knows at that point in time but you know parker has he is back on the practice squad so he cleared waivers all that stuff and more um, and for those that need to understand what the, how the practice squad works, basically you get your, you're an employee of the team. You get a stipend, like a few thousand dollars each week for every week that you practice with the team. Uh, but technically you're also a free agent. Like you're free to sign with another team. Now you can only sign to another team's 53 man roster. Like you can't make a lateral move from the Falcons practice squad to the Packers practice squad or anything like that. But you can go from the Falcons roster to the Packers or the Falcons practice squad to the Packers roster. And the Falcons can't really do anything to stop you other than say, please don't baby, please don't go. Right. Like maybe they can say, you know, they can convince you to be like, okay, you know, don't please don't go and all that stuff. But like, if you want to leave, you can leave because you are a free agent basically. Um, and so the only way that the Falcons can really stop teams from poaching players off their practice squad like a Parker Hesse is by having them on the roster. Now, they did institute a rule during COVID where you can like protect four players when they expanded the practice squad from like 12 to 16 guys uh, that you can protect like four players each week. Um, and I think you have to designate them like Monday or Tuesday or whatever. I don't know what exactly where that status of that rule. I think it still exists. Uh, I don't know if there's like a limit on how many times you can protect a player during the season. I think there was in 2020. I don't know if that still exists in 2023. So we'll, we'll sort of see, but again, the only way that the Falcons can guarantee that no one comes along and poaches Parker Hesse besides that rule, whatever it is, is to have him on the roster. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll not be having another freak out about Parker Hesse because the Falcons will do the right thing and, and bring him up 
to their 53-man roster. And I know Terry and Arthur that make this illustrious podcast their first listen uh, don't want another freak out. So I think they'll do the right thing by doing that. Um, and I, I think my best guess is the Falcons will do that at some point in the next 10 days, similar to what they did with Anthony Ferkser last year, where if you recall last year, Anthony Ferkser was supposed to be the number two tight end, not the number three tight end that Parker Hesse is supposed to be. And the Falcons cut him and then we took they put him on the practice card and we're like, what What are the Falcons doing with Ferkser on the practice card? He's going to play. And it was like, yeah, the, you know, we spent like a week speculating when are they going to bring Anthony Ferser up from the practice squad to the roster. They did that ahead of the week one game. Then they put him back on the practice squad after the week one game. And then later that week, like on a Wednesday, they were like, okay, we'll bring you up permanently to the active roster. And that's where he stayed for the rest of the season. And I suspect that may be something that the Falcons will do with Hesse. Is that a way to pr- avoid guaranteeing his base salary this year? Maybe, uh, you know, again, it's a few hundred thousand dollars more than what they would be paying. You know, I don't know, but like, We'll see. But, um, you know, my guess is like we'll see Parker Hesse on Sundays and he'll be the number three or four tight end, depending on what you think Michael Pruitt's role is going to be this year. Um, And he'll get more snaps over John Fitzpatrick on Sundays this year. Right. You know, I I have a hard time imagining the Falcons being like, yeah, we prefer John Fitzpatrick over Parker Hesse. And it's not because I think Fitzpatrick is a bad blocker. Right. He's he's a perfectly fine blocker. He's just not on Parker Hesse's levels. It's like the difference between Fitzpatrick being a C plus blocker and Hesse being like an A minus blocker. Um, now, you know, I know a lot of people think like, oh, well, Fitzpatrick makes up for that by having more upside as a pass catcher than Parker Hesse. And it's like, yes, you're right. He does have more upside. But I don't know if the gap between them as pass catchers is as big as you think. Right. Because like my ceiling comp for uh, Fitzpatrick was Levine Toilo. Like that to me was the best case scenario for him in the NFL. And if you go back and look at the the four years that Levine Toilo was a number two tight end in the NFL playing roughly half the snaps uh, in a season, you know how many catches he averaged a year? 13. You know how many catches Parker has he had last year? Nine. So, you know, you, you even look at a unicorn like Michael Pruitt last year, who spent almost half the season as the team's main pass catching tight end. And he still only caught 16 passes last year. Right. So, I know it sounds like I'm bashing John Fitzpatrick when I say these things, which I'm I'm trying not to do. That's not my intention here. But I I don't think the upside of John Fitzpatrick as a pass catcher is as big as some people would lead you to believe. Like it's basically the difference between, you know, Parker Hesse getting nine catches, you know, and John Fitzpatrick getting like 16 catches or something like it's a half dozen passes. Like, I don't think that's really moving the needle in a major way. Uh, You know, so like to me, Fitzpatrick's upside as a pass catcher is on the same level as a Levine Toilolo or Luke Stocker. As I said yesterday, like if you're throwing the ball to him or Parker Hesse, it probably means bad thing. You know, like nobody else got open or the quarterback is about to get hit and he has to check it down in the flat, you know, one of these dump off sort of plays on these rollouts and whatnot. That's where the vast majority of their catches come from. Um, and so like I, you know, I don't think that's as worthy as some people think it is it'd be like we have to we have to keep john fitzpatrick long term because he's got so much untapped potential as a as a pass catcher again not trying to bash him you know but i just think the best case scenario is is a guy that's probably going to catch no more than like 15 passes in the season um and you know i just sit here and i ask okay if, if john Fitzpatrick has the upside to be uh Levine Toilolo or a Luke Stocker type of, of player, which I don't think John Fitzpatrick is there as a blocker that those two guys were, but like he, you know, he, he should get there eventually at some point, uh, maybe by the end of this year, even, um, 
you know, if I had to give you the choice of Levine Toilolo, Luke Stock, or Parker Hesse, who do you think is going to help this team win more games? Is basically a question I'm asking. And I don't know about your choice, but I'm 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 going Parker Hesse. Now, I'm sure some of you guys think I'm biased, but I'm willing to bet most of you guys will go with Parker Hesse too. And like I have a soft spot for like Levine Toilolo and Luke Stocker and obviously Parker Hesse as well. So it's not even to be like you know, I hate John Fitzpatrick or anything. Like I, I'm sure like a year or two from now, like if the Falcons cut John Fitzpatrick, I'm going to freak be freaking out and having a mini meltdown on the podcast. I'm like, oh, how can you cut John Fitzpatrick? He, like those types of players are the players that I like, right? Like, you know, not to be overly a film snob, but like those are the types of players that I think you can only really appreciate if you watch film because you see how valuable they can be in the run game and allow your run game to, to potentially flourish. But you like, you won't, appreciate those players because they rarely show up on the stat sheets right they'll catch a, a dump off every now and then you might get a tight end leak and you go like oh my god i can't believe levine toilolo caught a 40 yard touchdown on a tight end throwback or whatever and fitzpatrick the same way but like other than that like you don't really notice those guys unless you're really dialed into the film so my guess is that we'll see parker has to get elevated from the practice squad between now and week one um and it'll be similar to the Ferkser situation where he'll be sort of on the roster for the rest of the year, but for reasons, the Falcons chose to cut him and, and hope that, you know, he clear waivers and get back. So, you know, my guess, like, I, I don't think they'll cut Fitzpatrick, right? You know, like I, I would probably, if I was a guessing, this is just purely a guess. My guess is like Logan Woodside would probably be the guy that Hesse would replace on the roster. Cause again, like no offense to Logan Woodside. <laughs> I think he balled out this year, you know, he blew the doors off of, you know, I know Falcon fans have a soft spot for Kurt Bankert. I personally don't. But, you know, if you thought Kurt Bankert was, you know, an A-plus number three quarterback, then Logan Woodside was like an A-plus, plus, plus, plus. He like, you know, blew the doors off of anything Kurt Bankert did here in Atlanta as a number three. So no no shade at Logan Woodside. He definitely earned a roster spot. But again, as I've said a number of times on this podcast, like what's the value of having a number three quarterback on your roster? This year, like it's valuable in January when your season's on the line. But what are the odds that, you know, both um, Desmond Ritter and, and Taylor Heineke are going to get hurt in a game? And you're going to need Logan Woodside to win you a game on Sunday. Extremely low, like less than 1% chance of that happening in the regular season. So to me, like, you know, I get why you might want to hold on to Logan Woodside for the next couple of days. So to make sure that it's less likely that some team is going to claim him if you wind up waiving him next week. So I get that. So like, that's, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously we'll be breaking it down here on this illustrious podcast. Tomorrow we'll be breaking down um, your questions and answering your questions as well as any other uh, roster moves that the Falcons wind up making. Um, so please send in your, submit your questions via discord, via uh, YouTube comment, via uh, Twitter, via email, lockdown Falcons at mail.com is once again, the email address. And also because it is dragon con this weekend, although I wonder, you know, how idealia the hurricane is going to affect that. But if you're been admiring, you know, the tough picture on the back of my wall, uh, my friend who drew that picture, I don't know what will hundred percent certainty, but she usually goes to dragon con each year. So, Go check her out. And if she isn't there, then you can still check out her website. I'll put the link in the description below, Judy Blue Creations. If you are interested in, you know, finding your, your own, you know, Toph Beifong or whatever. She she's drawn hundreds of characters. So she there are plenty to choose from. I'm sure you will find something that you will like. So I'll put that link in the description below if you want to check that out. Um, and I've been just waiting 
that the goat wall only goats go on that wall the, the world's greatest airbender the world's greatest you know pass rusher and i'm waiting to put julio up there i've been just waiting to hope that he wasn't going to sign with anybody so I, I might wait a couple more days you know just to make sure he doesn't sign with anybody and then we'll put julio back up on the on the goat wall where he belongs all right so that is it guys really appreciate you for uh tuning in uh continue to make us your first listen for your second listen of course check out the locked on nfl podcast to find out what's going on with the other 31 nfl teams it's all part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.